0: so glad you could join us for the mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. I was quite excited when Nick asked me to speak this on this passage about Hezekiah this morning, partly because there isn't all the difficult names in this week's passage like there was last week's and partly because archaeologists have found some really cool old stuff to do with Hezekiah and Sennacherib, and I kind of got sidetracked on that an awful lot in the last few weeks in preparing. Now, during this sermon series, we've been hearing about the kings of Judah. They were good kings and not so good kings, and we've heard some of the ups and downs of what happened during their reigns, and last week we heard that despite those ups and downs, that God, is, God never leaves us without hope that he never stops speaking, that he's always at work. And I think I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but Nick reminded us that when all hope is lost, nevertheless, God is working and our greatest victories come out of our darkest moments. This week we hear that Hezekiah is in a situation when all hope may have seemed lost. A very large empire was invading and heading his way, but we read of an incredible victory, a victory that was won because God had greater power than the enemy We'll be popping back and forth a little bit in the Bible today, I'm sorry, as this story of Hezekiah, which Russ read us from 2 Chronicles, is also found in 2 Kings. And I encourage you to read both when you get home and also read this story from the prophet Isaiah's point of view from his book. So the first thing that jumped out of me when I read this passage was how prepared Hezekiah is. If Hezekiah had a motto at this point in his life, I think he would borrow from the Boy Scouts and he would use their motto, be prepared. Or perhaps he could use this motto. Clicker's not working now. There we go. Prepared for anything. And that means he could join our Yas Fire and Rescue team. <laughs> Hezekiah was prepared for anything. The Assyrians are on their way and Hezekiah is prepared as a bit of a backstory, we read in 2 Kings 18 that the Assyrians have already taken over the kingdom of Israel to the north and the people of Israel have been taken into exile. In the south of the country at that stage, Hezekiah has been on the throne of Judah for about four years. Ten years later, Sennacherib is now king of Assyria and he decides he's going to attack Judah as well in the south. Now, Hezekiah's father had wanted to be allies with Assyria But Hezekiah has rebelled against Sennacherib. He wants independence from Assyria, but Sennacherib isn't having that, so he's heading to Judah to claim it back. In 2 Chronicles 32 verse 9, we learn that Sennacherib himself is at Lachish laying siege to that city, which is to the southwest of Jerusalem. And in placing himself there, he cut any hope Jerusalem had of getting help coming up from Egypt. And they've not only found archaeological evidence of that siege system at Lachish. But when they excavated Sennacherib's palace at Nineveh, they actually found that he had the walls decorated with stone carvings picturing that siege. So that's some of the cool stuff I was getting lost in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so he kind of had his modern day trophy cabinet up on his walls. But despite Sennacherib being on the way, Hezekiah was physically prepared for anything. He knew trouble was coming for a few years And he began physical preparations for when the Assyrians finally came. And our passage opens by telling us that Sennacherib is indeed on the way. Verse one tells us, after all that Sennacherib, oh, wrong one. After all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. Sieges were often used in ancient times. A siege was used when a city or a fortress couldn't easily be taken during, during normal warfare and where a city or town refused to surrender. The city would then be surrounded by the enemy and the waiting game began. The people inside the city would fortify all the walls and gates into the city while the enemy surrounded it on the outside. One of the main things that would cause a city to surrender was lack of water. Now, Jerusalem was well placed for a siege because it's up on top of a hill and it's hard to attack from any side. But it needed a secure water source to withstand a siege. So Hezekiah makes preparations to secure water for the city. And we read some of his preparations from verse 2. When Hezekiah saw that Sennacherim had come and that he intended to wage war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his officials and military staff About blocking off the water from the springs outside the city and they helped him, they gathered a large group of people who blocked all the springs and the stream that flowed through the land. Why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water, they said. This was no mean feat. This was not turning off the tap to stop the water running. The Bible says that they blocked off all the streams, all the springs and the stream that flowed through the land. That way when the Assyrians showed up, there would be no water for them. I can't imagine the work that was involved in blocking all those springs and that stream. Hezekiah also secured water for within the city. There is a spring called the Gihon Spring under part of Jerusalem, and Hezekiah had a tunnel built to connect it to the city so the city wouldn't run out of water, and also making sure that all the water from the spring ran into the city and none of it ran out where the Assyrians could get to it. The tunnel was begun at either end and met in the middle and it's over 500 metres long and an inscription was found that was put there when the tunnel was dug. The tunnel is still there and there's a photo of part of it. If you type the story of Hezekiah's tunnel into YouTube later on, there's a video about the making of the tunnel, which is well worth watching. Another thing I got sidetracked on this week. This tunnel was part of Hezekiah's preparations but Hezekiah also made others. In verse 5, we read they fortified the city, built an extra wall around it, and made weapons and shields. The passage in 2 Chronicles 32 tells us about his preparations to Jerusalem itself. But in 2 Kings 18, we read that part of his preparations was using delay tactics to put Sennacherib off for as long as possible. He went to, he sent a message to Sennacherib and said he would give him whatever he demanded. To withdraw. So Hezekiah had ensured water for the city, had shored up the city's defences, and had tried to delay or put off the Assyrians coming. He was physically prepared for anything. Sometimes we see physical preparation as a lack of faith, but Hezekiah had faith. His siege preparations and trying to buy time with Sennacherib were not acts of fear. For some, making preparations is an alternative to trusting God. Isaiah 22 describes some of the people that were preparing the city for attack were doing it without regard for God. Some people prepare instead of trusting God. Hezekiah's preparations were done, though, as he trusted God. 2 Kings 18 verse 5 tells us that Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. The world would have us prepare. Buy insurance, buy a home, ensure you have super for when you retire, Set your kids up with a good education so they can get a well-paid job in the future. Build your security in the preparations. Now, there's nothing wrong with those preparations in themselves, but our trust needs to be in the Lord, not in those preparations. doesn't mean we don't prepare. Hezekiah prepared, but our focus is on God, not on our earthly preparations. Sometimes we just don't have that extra provision to buy insurance or to put money aside for for later. We've got no choice but to use it now and to trust God with the future. Other times we need to be wise with the extra we have and decide how best God wants us to use what we have to prepare for the future but the important thing is to trust God with your heart, with all your heart and not in the preparations themselves. Last week we heard how Jehoshaphat had to show up ready for battle even though he knew the battle was God's. This week we read that Hezekiah got ready for battle as he trusted God as well. We need to do the same to trust God as we prepare. We trust God as we lay aside provisions for the future. We trust God when we have nothing to put aside. We trust God. Hezekiah wasn't just prepared physically. He was prepared spiritually. He had his spiritual armour ready as well as his physical armour. In 2 Chronicles 32 verse 1 we read, after all, Hezekiah had so faithfully done. But what had he done faithfully? If we flick back over to 2 Kings 18 verse 3, we read, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father had, father David had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. Then in verse 6, we read, He held fast to the Lord and did not cease to follow him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses. And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. Hezekiah was spiritually prepared. He had revived the worship of God, had reopened and purified the temple and prepared the people spiritually. Nick told us last week that when Hezekiah's father Ahaz was on the throne of Judah, he was kind of one of the bad kings. Ahaz had turned away from God. He built altars and sacrificed to other gods. He sent some of the temple treasures to the Assyrian king at the time, He locked the doors to the temple and smashed up the remaining furnishings of the temple. He had led the people away from God. We learnt last week too though that God is faithful and there's always a remnant of believers when all hope seems lost. This week we read that Hezekiah is leading that remnant. Hezekiah led them well because he had shored up his spiritual defences and had led the people to do the same by reinstating worship to God and and turning from idol worship. He held fast to the Lord and did not cease to follow him. Hezekiah and the remnant were prepared for spiritual attack just as much as the city was prepared for siege. Ironically, Sennacherib took these preparations as disbelief in God, which we read in verse 12, because in the ancient world, setting up places of idol worship were signs you trusted in whatever God it was that you believed in. Hezekiah, however, held fast to the Lord and led his people to worship the one true God and removed idol worship from the land. Hezekiah also prepared his officers by gathering them together and speaking to them. And if you've seen any kind of movie with any kind of war in it, you've probably seen the general up the front giving his man a pep talk before battle. And that's what Hezekiah does in verses 7 and 8. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged Because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him, for there is greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. Hezekiah knew God was with him. Yes, he was prepared physically by bribing Sennacherib, ensuring that water supply, shoring up the city's defences, But he also prepared himself and the people spiritually and trusted in the power of God to save them. I wonder how many of us are prepared like Hezekiah. Are we ready for siege? Are we ready for attack from the enemy? If you are not, if you feel like you will tremble and fall at the first sign of battle, then let Hezekiah's words give you confidence like it did to his people back then. Be strong and courageous. There is greater power with you than with the enemy. God is with you to help you and to fight your battles. Ephesians 6 describes putting on our spiritual armour. And verse 13 says, Therefore put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. If you are feeling overwhelmed and like you are underprepared, then put on your spiritual armour. Put on your armour. Do it every day. Prepare yourselves by putting on that armour so that you can take your stand against the enemy. Take up that shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Prepare yourself spiritually by using God's protection so you can be strong and courageous. We prepare physically and spiritually, but we also need to take time to communicate with God in prayer. Hezekiah prayed. He was physically and spiritually prepared and he cried out to God in prayer. Part of our preparations should always be to pray. It isn't just something we tack on to the end of preparations. It's part of them. Our prayers need to be regular and intentional. We read further on in 2 Chronicles 32 verse 20 that King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out to heaven in prayer about this. Ephesians 6.18 says, After putting on our own armour to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, we are to cry out to God in prayer because it's a vital part of preparing for battle. It is essential and powerful. Hezekiah and Isaiah cried out in prayer to heaven about their situation and God answered. In 2 Chronicles from verse 21 we read, And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and the commanders and officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. So he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. And when he went to the temple of his God, some of his sons, his own flesh and blood, cut him down with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others. He took care of them on every side. Many bought offerings to Jerusalem for the Lord and valuable gifts for Hezekiah, king of Judah. From then on, he was highly regarded by all nations. The people called out to God in prayer. He annihilated the enemy and took care of them on every side. And we learn in 2 Kings and in Isaiah that the number of men that died that night was 185,000. When the people woke up the next morning, the Bible tells us there were dead bodies everywhere because they had prayed And God answered. This is not an isolated incident thousands of years ago. On Sunday, May 26, 1940, King George VI called the British nation to prayer. Church attendance skyrocketed as people flocked to cry out to God in prayer, just as Hezekiah had done. Hitler had enslaved and dominated most of Europe. He had all but won the war. 500,000 British and French troops were trapped at Dunkirk and faced annihilation by the German forces. Hitler was one step away from invading England when all of Britain came together in a day of prayer. From that moment onwards, 79 years ago, the tide turned. No one could explain why Hitler chose to stop advancing his troops that day or why they were able to evacuate so many men safely from Dunkirk. From that point onward, Hitler did not advance any closer to England. Yet again, a nation had come together in prayer when all hope seemed lost. The enemy was defeated because prayer is powerful. If you need inspiration to be intentional in your prayer life, then I think you can go no further than the movie and book, The War Room. If you haven't seen it, please do. I love it. There's one line in the book that struck me and it says... A lot of people don't pray because they don't believe it works, but unfortunately it doesn't work because we don't really pray. A lot of people don't pray because they don't believe it works, but unfortunately it doesn't work because we don't really pray. Prayer does work, but we need to really pray. We need to be regular in prayer, intentional in prayer, and to treat it like part of our defence system. Prayer connects us with our God. Our God is the one that knows the strategy, who knows the battle plans, who has the greater power, the one who has won the victory already. God is with us through every battle. Hezekiah said, with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Let him lead the charge in your life. Pray, submit to him in prayer, ask for his help in the fight. Ephesians 6.18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Prayer is powerful. It's part of our daily preparation for whatever comes. Pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Hezekiah prayed and we fully prepare ourselves when we come together in regular prayer. Sometimes we get an answer straight away and we feel God is listening. Sometimes we need to lean in to hear that answer and at other times we just need to take it on faith that God hears every word we pray because we think we can't hear his answer. God does not stop working. He's always with us, he always hears us and we keep on praying, submitting our lives to his will and preparing ourselves fully for everything that comes our way. Hezekiah was prepared But unfortunately, the enemy was too. Sennacherib had a few tricks up his sleeve to terrify and unhinge the confidence of God's people. His two main tactics were to sow a seed of doubt in God's power and to get them to shift their eyes onto his own power and off God's. So Sennacherib is at Lachish in the southwest and his officers arrive at Jerusalem and begin shouting a message from Sennacherib to the people inside the city. The message begins in verse 10. This is what Sennacherib, king of Assyria, says, on what are you basing your confidence, that you remain in Jerusalem under siege? When Hezekiah says, the Lord our God will save us from the hand of the king of Assyria, he is misleading you to let you die of hunger and thirst. Sennacherib wanted to sow a seed of doubt. He wanted to shake their confidence. And I believe that happens to us too. If the enemy can get us to doubt just a little, if he can stir up unbelief in us, he can start to shatter our defences. This isn't a new problem. The enemy has been trying to do this from the beginning. Remember in Genesis 3, when the serpent talks to Eve, he does the same thing. He asks Eve, did God really say? He wanted to sow a seed of doubt in Eve's mind. He wants to sow seeds of doubt in yours too. He wants to shake your confidence. Sennacherib tried to taunt them by asking, on what are you basing your confidence that you remain in Jerusalem under siege? The enemy will also ask you, on what are you basing your confidence? Can you really trust God? Can you really believe in God if bad things are happening? The enemy wants you to doubt. In doubting, we lower our defences, we lower our trust in God, making it easier Him to attack, but if we prepare ourselves, if we put on that armor and protection that God offers us offers us, we can stand firm. And then when the enemy asks us, on what are you basing your confidence, we can confidently say we base it on God. Another tactic of the enemy is to make himself seem like he is the guy who has the power. He wants us to be tempted by whatever he has to offer to weaken our will, to get us to lower our defences and surrender to him. He wants us to doubt God's power while at the same time tempting us with what he has to offer. In a siege situation, it was often a battle of wills rather than a physical battle. Anything you could do to weaken the will of the people shut inside the city helped in getting them to surrender. The people inside the city were often facing starvation and thirst and disease as the siege progressed. We read in 2 Kings 18 and 2 Chronicles 32 some of what was hurled verbally over the walls into Jerusalem to try and weaken the people within. As part of that, the Assyrians wanted to make it sound tempting to surrender. In 2 Kings 18, they say in verses 31 to 33, Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me. Come out to me. And every one of you will eat from his own vine and fig tree and drink water from his own cistern until I come and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey. Choose life and not death. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for he is misleading you when he says the Lord will deliver. Has the God of any nation ever delivered his land from the hand of the king of Syria? Hezekiah and his people were surrounded by the enemy. They had secured water, but food would eventually run out. The Assyrians would have rampaged all through the land and destroyed crops and livestock for miles so that even when the siege ended, there would be nothing left to eat. The enemy was trying to coax them out of the city by promising them all sorts of things and getting them to focus on his power. Come out here and I will give you life and all good things. No one else's gods have been able to save them, but I can give you all good things if you just come out from behind your defences. When Jesus went to the desert and was being tempted by the devil, the devil took Jesus to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendour. And he said to Jesus, all this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus knew he was going to rule all the kingdoms. He knew that was going to happen. But the devil wanted him to lower his defences to get it right now. Whatever we are struggling with, The enemy will try and tempt us with his power over it. The enemy uses our weaknesses to tempt us. He wants us to be tempted by his power and to give us the things we want right now, regardless of what we have to do to get them. I take great comfort in 1 Corinthians, where it tells us that no temptation we go through is new to humankind and that God always provides a way out of temptation. The temptations I face are nothing new. The temptations you face are nothing new. Hezekiah was tempted. Jesus was tempted. Being tempted is nothing new. Others have faced temptations like mine before. But God's faithfulness is nothing new either. He has always been faithful. There is a greater power with God than with the enemy. God was faithful to Hezekiah. And helped them overcome the temptation to surrender to the enemy. And God promises to do that for you too. The temptations are nothing new. The enemy's tactics are nothing new. God has the greater power and has been faithful in helping others overcome their temptation and he can help you too. The enemy will tempt you, but you are promised that if you put on the full armour of God and trust in his power, then you can make your stand against the devil's schemes. The enemy will be persistent. He will try and try. He thinks he is prepared and is prepared to keep on trying. But as much as the enemy might think he's prepared and is prepared to keep on trying, God is all the more prepared and God is all the more powerful. 2 Chronicles 32 has some of what the Assyrians did in their persistence. Verses 16 to 19 read, Sennacherib's officers spoke further against the god against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah, the king also wrote letters ridiculing the Lord, the God of Israel, and saying this against him Just as the gods of the peoples of other lands did not rescue their people from my hand, so that the god of Hezekiah will not rescue his people from my hand. Then they called out in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem, who were on the wall, to terrify them and make them afraid in order to capture the city. They spoke about the God of Jerusalem as they did about the gods of the other peoples of the world, the work of human hands. Now, I don't know if any of you have tried to learn a language like Hebrew, not me, but Hezekiah's enemy was so persistent he was willing to try anything, even learning his insults in another language. Sennacherib also wrote letters insulting God and got them into the city. Sennacherib was persistent and thought he was great. He was prepared to do whatever it took to defeat Hezekiah and to be great. But Sennacherib's downfall was foretold by God through Isaiah and it came to pass. The enemy of Hezekiah was defeated before he began his attack. Sennacherib boasted of his many campaigns in Israel and Judah. He even wrote himself that he had caged Hezekiah up In Jerusalem, like a bird in a cage, he bragged about the other cities and towns he conquered, but he did not conquer Jerusalem. He was persistent, but God was greater. The enemy's been persistent in my life too. I've had depression and anxiety in various forms since I was young. And part of that is a terrible fear of being up in front of people and speaking. If I ever had to do an oral presentation of any sort at school, I would usually refuse to do it. And I remember at high school that 20% of our English mark each term was our oral print presentation for the class. And I figured that if I skipped the oral presentation and did the remaining 80% of the work, that I wouldn't get an A, but I could still get a B, and I was just fine with that. So I never did anything like that. My mental health issues are not sinful in themselves. But the enemy has used them to make me distrust the power of God over my life and the love God has for me. I've listened to the enemy whispering in my ear telling me I was not good enough, I was not capable enough and that I just couldn't do it. But God is greater than any attack from the enemy. The enemy has persisted. Some of you are looking at your watches and are wishing he'd persisted just a little bit better right now. The enemy has persisted and I am not perfect and sometimes I still listen to his lies. I have had days this past week when quitting was pretty tempting. I've had to repeat, be strong and courageous to myself many times this week. But despite all that, God is the greater power over my life and he got me through. God delivered Hezekiah and his people when they cried out to him and verse 22 says he took care of them on every side. God took care of them on every side. God's persistence out-persisted the enemies and God took care of them on every side. We can be sure assured of God's persistence and power like Hezekiah was. We can be certain that no matter how persistent the enemy is, that God is more powerful and that power comes to us through the love that God has for us. God's love is power. It spoke us into existence it gave us his son on the cross, it overcame death and gave us eternal life. It is powerful and it is ours and through it we can be conquerors with him. Romans 8.35 assures us of this. Verse 35 nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God has the greater power. God's love and strength and power wasn't just something he showed thousands of years ago. It is here now. The love of God which surrounded Hezekiah and his people is the same power that is with us today because Jesus is here today. He wants to help you. And to be, for you to be a conqueror with him. While we walk this earth, the enemy's going to keep trying to do all he can to lower our defences and to get us to give in to him. But if God is your fortress and strength, then you are a conqueror with him. Not you can be a conqueror, you are a conqueror. The enemy lost his battle at the cross. Christ won the war then and there. If Christ is your Lord and Saviour, then you too are victorious over anything the enemy throws at you. Be confident in that because no no matter how persistent the enemy is, God is all the more persistent and all the more powerful. He has won the war. The enemy has power no more. Some questions for you. Are you prepared? Are you ready to withstand attack? On what are you basing your confidence? If you feel prepared and confident to face whatever comes in life, then I encourage you to keep seeking God in prayer so that your confidence remains in God and not in any physical preparations you have made. Keep trusting God as you prepare. Maybe you are under attack right now and feel completely surrounded by the enemy. Maybe you aren't feeling prepared or confident. If that is the case, then I encourage you to seek God in prayer. Put on his armour, seek a personal relationship with him through Jesus and equip yourself for any battle that comes. And take courage that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ. Take hold of that victory on the cross for yourself so that you can be strong and courageous and know that God's power is greater than anything the enemy can throw at you. So get the music team to come back up. I just want to invite you to shut your eyes for a moment and just have a think about where life is just at the moment for you. Is there something that is troubling you right now? It might be a health problem. It might be studies or work or lack of work. It might be a big bill that you've just received or another financial burden of some sort. It might be a broken relationship. Maybe it's something the enemy is whispering to you over and over so much so that you've started to believe it. Just have a think about something that is happening to you right now that makes you feel like you are under siege, something that surrounds you at every turn. Now imagine Christ's arms of love surrounding you like great protective walls. Feel him comforting you and shielding you. Those problems may still be there when you leave today, but when you leave, leave knowing that God will be there protecting you on all sides from any attack from the enemy. Do not be afraid or discouraged because your enemy is surrounding you. With you there is a greater power than with the enemy. With the enemy is only the arm of flesh, but with you is the Lord, your God, to help you and to fight your battles. Gain confidence from that so that you can be strong and courageous as well. Let's pray. Lord, you are the God of power. You are the God of love. You are the God who protects us on every side. Lord, help us not to be afraid or discouraged because of what the enemy is trying to do. Help us be confident in you, knowing that the battle is yours. Lord, we know we can be strong and courageous through any battle because our strength and courage comes from you. You are the greater power, Lord. You won the war at the cross. Thank you, Lord, that we can share in that victory and be conquerors with you forever. Amen. Thanks for joining us today